1: This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast. The coronavirus hits a grim milestone with the largest global uptick in new cases in a single day. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, former FDA head, on what it means in the U.S.
2: This week's going to really be a pivotal week for us to get a picture of where things are heading in states like Florida and Arizona and Texas, whether or not they're tipping over into exponential growth or not.
1: And the president's top economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, on the White House response.
3: There are some hot spots. We're on it. We know how to deal with this stuff now. There is no second wave
4: coming.
1: It's Monday, June 22nd, 2020. I think days are going to start getting shorter now, fortunately. Squawk Pod begins right now.
5: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And thank you very much, Joe, for the reminder that the days start getting shorter
4: from here. It's like, uh, I
5: literally sighed as you said that. It's light. so deflating to think of that.
4: Should I use my old joke that <sighs> it's, it's actually still only 24 hours? Uh, people are sick of that probably, too. And whenever you tell me it's the longest day of the probably. year, I always say, huh? As I always say, it's still 20- uh-huh. uh, twice. Th-
5: <laughs> you were giving bad dad jokes in honor of Father's Day. I hope both of you had very good Father's Day. Over we the did. Weekend. I hope.
4: Uh, I hope Matt did as well, and uh, and Sorkin did as well. Didn't see him again. No, didn't. Uh, all I don't the know what inv- uh, Huh? All the invites. We were waiting. We were waiting.
6: Huh? We had the drinks ready, the s'mores ready, the whole operation. Did I mess up your address Happy or something? Father's Day.
4: There was nothing at that location. It was like. Uh, it's hard
6: to find on Google, I admit it. The Google Maps, they send you in a little bit of a, pasture. An, uh, an
4: awkward awkward direction. It was a pasture. So I don't... Uh, Maybe that my,
5: or it's the wrong address, that's or true. Or it's the wrong,
4: like the, like the phone numbers that I used to get?
6: do do An update now on some of the reopening that's taking place in America. New York City entering phase two today. That means that bars and restaurants can offer outdoor dining and stores can open for in-person retail. Hair salons and barbershops can reopen, but no nail salons or massage parlors just yet. Playgrounds will reopen, but team sports are still prohibited. That's in a place where the numbers have gone down quite remarkably. In Texas, though, on the other end of this, officials suspending liquor licenses for 12 bars for violating COVID-19 protocols as part of an undercover investigation by the state's liquor authority. The first violation results in a 30-day suspension, and a second infraction earns a 60-day suspension. And prospects may be dimming for college football season. This after some more reports of COVID outbreaks among teams. On Friday, it was reported that 23 Clemson football players tested positive for the virus over the weekend. Sports Illustrated said a large number of LSU football players have been placed in quarantine to try to slow the spread of the virus. Kansas State is spending all football workouts for two weeks this after 14 athletes from various sports tested positive. Last week, there were positive tests from football players at the University of Texas, also at the University of Houston, Alabama, Auburn, South Florida, and West Virginia. There are continued, by the way, questions about Major League Baseball. So I don't know where we are, guys, on all of this. I, I felt
4: like it was one step forward, two steps back, one step forward. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. No, either. About college in general, still up, up in the air. No, no decisions. Yeah. Uh, being made, I don't know if you saw Harvard. Harvard put out a note, I think
6: on it might have been late on Friday, saying that they're going to it's going to be online classes no matter what next year in its mm-hmm. entirety. However, they're going to try to bring some percentage of of the students to campus. So you would effect- effectively live on campus, live in a dorm room, but all of your you wouldn't go to a classroom. You, all of your classes would be done Do uh, effectively over Zoom or some. I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, they they talked about three possible (laughs) scenarios, one being what they call a very low density situation, which they talked about being what looks like the school now, which is very low density. Uh, A third of the students, maybe 30 to 40 percent of the students coming back and then all of the students coming back. They said that was probably the most unlikely of the scenarios. And then the question, of course, is which students get to come back? Is it a lottery system? Are there students there's going to be students who want to come back? There's going to be students who don't want to come back. It's, it's very interesting to watch uh, all of this and will have huge implications, obviously,
4: on the economy. You saw the latest on, we should have thought about this. Um, as people age, all of their organs become less effective. The immune system is like one big organ. So you're, trying, it, it, mm-hmm. you're dependent on your immune system to react to the vaccine to give you immunity. So if you have a really weak immune system, by definition... Even though you get the vaccine, you're depending on your own white blood, whatever. You're depending on your own internal system to develop that immunity. And it's unclear whether the people most at risk because of their weakened immune system can actually... Uh responded, that's that's the way you might need a moose a booster you might kind
5: of we kind of knew that though i guess and i we mean need, we, might we, need we need knew that from uh, and bill gates told us that and, and, def- and scott gottlieb uh, has told us that in the past we're just not sure if it's going to work for, right, for older people
4: for, yeah for old people even even and young people seem to be immune already kind of i mean some of them not right. all of them obviously right. but yeah with a strong immune system
5: And the other issue, we watch these states that are getting the higher number of cases all the time. They are the states that are already open. And we can say, hey, in New York and New Jersey, cases have come significantly down. That's because we haven't been open. If we open up again, are we right back in the same position? And I I think
4: that remains to be seen, too. Right. The deaths aren't aren't what they were, I guess. But uh, we're going to have Kudlow on. That's that's good news. Yeah, he's good. Kudlow's probably going to present the, the the more positive uh, case we'll see what he says the governor yeah. of
6: florida made a very interesting point especially in terms of the numbers the, the hot spot that you're seeing there a lot of those people are younger and so again this goes to the issue you just mentioned joe yeah. the death rate has come down yeah. a large part that may be because younger people are getting it and so it's not it's not as deathly right. if you will as 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 when older people or people the question with comorbidities, is it, if they
5: affect their uh, parents gotcha, their grandparents right anybody else who might be vulnerable that's you know I, 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 we're we're back where we started we haven't we haven't gotten rid of the virus we've been living with it for a while and we may have to figure out how to live with it for some time to, some time to tell
4: i looked at my um, uh my, my letter that allows me to you know if i get stopped or something uh, on the way in and it was march 16th oh, was, yeah. was when it uh wow. march 16th so it's been it feels to like allowed to be allowed to be,
5: allowed to be tr- going into yeah, work yeah,
4: yeah. I, i'm essential yeah. <laughs>
1: largest single-day increase in global coronavirus cases was recorded on Sunday, according to the World Health Organization, after more than 183,000 new cases were reported worldwide. The U.S. continues to take the lead, with more than 36,000 new cases on Sunday, and an additional 30,000 cases being reported on both Friday and Saturday. 23 states showed an increasing trend in cases this past week. California, Texas, and Florida are leading the way, each with more than 4,000 new cases on Sunday alone. Officials are warning that some clusters of infections are apparent among younger people who may be crowding in groups. New daily cases in the U.S. appeared to be going down throughout May and into early June, but ticked up when some states started to reopen. There is still no FDA-approved drug to treat the coronavirus, and the National Institutes of Health said on Saturday it had halted a clinical trial of malaria drug hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19 patients, saying it had no benefits. Here's Becky Quick.
5: In his latest op-ed, former FDA commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb discusses the British strategy of fighting this pandemic and why the United States should follow its example. Joining us right now is Dr. Scott Gottlieb. He is also a CNBC contributor, and he serves on the boards of both Illumina and Pfizer. And Dr. Gottlieb, thanks for being here. It's good to see you.
2: Thanks.
5: Let's talk about your op-ed first up. What are the British doing differently than we are?
2: Well, the recovery trial, which was a trial that unearthed the finding with dexamethasone, a steroid that was demonstrated to cut the risk of death by a third in patients who were intubated with COVID and by 20% in patients who were requiring oxygen, that was what we call practical clinical trials. So it was a very large, it was still a randomized trial where patients were randomized to different treatments or just routine care. But it was a practical trial insofar as it wasn't collecting a lot of different variables about the patients. And so it made it easy for doctors to run this kind of a trial in a crisis situation, doctors who are busy working in critical care units. In the U.S., we've reached for more elaborate clinical trials, and that's made it harder to run and enroll these clinical trials, and it's made it harder for us to get results. We actually affirmatively decided not to participate in a recovery trial. And I think regulators and public health authorities need to rethink these kinds of trials and reach for these kinds of practical trials that are going to be easier to run in these settings so that we start getting answers about what works and what doesn't. We're going to be uh, more dependent upon therapeutic innovation here in this country, given the fact that we're going to continue to have a lot of infection, and so we're going to need things that try to reduce the death rate as a way to try to quell the impact of this, this disease.
5: Let's talk about a few of those things that we've been watching. Today is a reopening of phase two in New York City, meaning that people can get their hair cut in salons, uh, they can have outdoor dining and drink service, a lot of other things that are out there. And I've been watching over the last several weeks where sometimes people in the Northeast uh, seem like they've been thumping their chest a bit about how much better we're doing here than in some other places where we've been taking strict measures. We have seen a decline in the number of cases. Other places have opened up and have seen uh, more cases coming on. Are we just waiting for this to happen to us, too, because as we reopen up, it's inevitable that you are going to see an increase in cases, and maybe it puts us right back where we were?
2: Well, we'll see an increase in cases, but we're reopening against a much different backdrop. Um, first of all, cases are way down in the Northeast. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, cases are, are way down. I think the population here um, is more aware of the risks. I think you're more likely to see compliance with masking, people being mindful um, of their social interactions. And so the, we also have a lot of infection here. New York, probably 30% of the population has been infected. In New Jersey and Connecticut, probably around 10% if you did seroprevalence studies. Uh, maybe higher than that. And so there's been more infection here, so the transmission rate's going to be a little bit less because of that, because now you have more people who have some level of immunity. So I wouldn't expect to see the big increases that they're seeing in the southeast and the south um, that we're that in, in here when we open. Remember, Florida, Texas, Georgia, um, Alabama, South Carolina, Arkansas, Arizona, all opened against the backdrop of a lot of spread. Their cases never really went down, and then they opened up. And so they were destined to have more infection as they opened.
5: Do you think that's why, when you look at uh, what we're hearing from some of the schools already, some of the universities that have opened up for their football practices, it was Clemson, uh, LSU, Kansas State, the University of Texas, the University of Houston, Alabama, South Florida, and West Virginia that have all seen uh, cases, you know— spikes in the number of kids on those teams who, who have seen coronavirus, who have tested positive? Or do you think it's just something that you're going to inevitably see when you have close contact sports for universities across the country and then potentially high schools too?
2: Yeah, the sports are a challenge for the colleges and the high schools. I think the professional leagues can do a lot to create a bubble around the players and test them. Um, and put in place measures to control what they do off the field as well. I think it's going to be much more difficult for colleges to do that, first of all, to implement the testing. They don't have the resources to do it, but also to control behavior off the field. And so it's going to be much more difficult for them to restart college football than to restart professional football, in my view. I think they can restart professional football, but they have endless resources to try to work this problem get testing in place and try to put measures in place to reduce the risk off the field as well. But I don't think it's a coincidence that you're seeing the outbreaks in states where you already have outbreaks. There's a background rate of spread there that's probably quite significant. I think this week's going to really be a pivotal week for us to get a picture of where things are heading in states like Florida and Arizona and Texas, whether or not they're tipping over into exponential growth or not. Um, The problem is, with exponential growth, everything looks sort of okay until all of a sudden it doesn't. And the cases are building very quickly in those states. Deaths are down, um, and I think they'll continue to stay down, in part because we're treating this disease better, and in part because the outbreaks for now are among a younger cohort, as older people do a much better job of protecting themselves.
5: what, What will be the sign? What will be the numbers or the statistics we look at to decide whether this has gone exponential?
2: Well, I think if you're, if you're seeing cases continue to build by, you know, 500 to 1,000 in states like Florida, Texas, Arizona, you seeing cases build by 500 a day um, by the end of the week. We're at maybe 6,000 cases in these states, maybe a little bit more in Florida, Texas, California. Um, that's that's going to be a curve that's starting to look like exponential growth, a doubling time coming down to something, you know, about a week or less. Right now, the doubling time is about 10 days in some of these places. So it's been coming down. Um, They're having major outbreaks underway. There's no question about it. And they might be past the point that they can control this just with simple interventions like trying to get more people to wear masks and people be mindful of their social interactions. They might have to start closing some establishments where people are congregating indoors and they know the virus is spreading. The problem is they don't know what those establishments are. They're guessing it's the bars because a lot of young people are getting getting the illness. But I don't think they've really traced it back to those locations effectively because they don't have the tracking and tracing in place that other states, including New York, New Jersey and Connecticut have as they reopen
6: hey doctor real quick, it, given that it appears that the the morbidity rate has come down and, and that's such a great sign, how should we think about these numbers relative to hospitalizations given the younger people that are that are that are getting this what I mean again, I think it goes back to what Becky was asking about the number what numbers or data points should we be looking at? Is this really at this point about hospitalizations is that the, is that the key to look at relative to total number? Because obviously also, and and it's become politicized, but obviously we're doing a lot more testing. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to think through, uh, you know, where where we should be looking.
2: Well, we're doing more testing, but the positivity rate's going up. So it's not just a function of testing. I think we are looking at hospitalizations because the measure that that political class is looking at is resource utilization by the healthcare system and asking themselves, do we have enough capacity to sustain these kinds of outbreaks? The problem with that Is that the hospitalizations number one are a leading um indicator? And hospitalizations are going up in all these states. Forty percent of hospitalizations in Arizona are now COVID patients. But the other the other challenge is that if we get a lot of infection, even if it's among a 20 to 40 year old cohort that's less likely to get hospitalized, it's certainly less likely to succumb to the infection. If we have that much infection going on in the background, eventually it's gonna seep into other communities. You know, people over the age of fifty aren't gonna be able to keep themselves protected in perpetuity. So, you know, what are you racing against? Are you racing against just all the 20 to 40-year-olds getting infected before it reaches the 60-year-olds? Eventually, it's going to get into the older populations in these places as the density of infection increases, which is what's happening right now. The density of infection does seem to be pretty high in these places right now. It's just among a younger population.
1: Dr. Gottlieb, thank you. It is great to see you. Good to see you. Next on SquawkPod, Larry Kudlow, top economic advisor in the White House on both the economic and the pandemic recovery.
3: It's just, you know, hot spots. They send in CDC teams. We've got the testing procedures. We've got the diagnostics. We've got the PPE. And so I really think it's a pretty good situation.
1: What's on the horizon for financial markets? This is Clock Pond from CNBC with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Joe.
4: And we are just posing the question about the coronavirus and, and what it means to the stock market. I'm wondering when November 4th or whatever that day is. I wonder when, when or if you are able to discern anything from the stock market based on the prospects of uh, President Trump versus Vice President Biden. Uh, at this point, because we have we had President uh, Vice President Biden on the show, guys, and and he said day one, those tax cuts for corporations get get rescinded.
6: I would repeal the two trillion dollar tax cut okay. for the folks who are making over a million bucks a year because it's demonstrated as demonstrated very little or no corporations growth. Corporations, I would say, assi-
4: corporations the corporate.
6: Corp- the, 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 the corporate tax rate, I'd move back to what I had proposed at 28 okay. percent, but we had proposed at 28 percent because I want to make sure that we see that these corporations, that's not going to take them under.
4: Maybe that you know, hasn't been helpful to the- profits. Maybe a lot of that hasn't been helpful to uh, to the economy we had before a coronavirus, but maybe it, it was. So I, I guess there's a lot of time left, but. Certain things have flipped. Uh, certainly the polls, many of them are double-digit now, the national polls, and the, the battleground states don't look much better. And the composite of the betting sites uh, are, has not, I mean, it was like this. It's flipped and it's widening right now. So I don't know. Do we see no, something? it
5: depends on the composite of the Senate. It depends on the composite no, of the Senate. No, that's getting questionable, which, too. Which terms, party
4: controls it, too? That's yeah. getting questionable, too. So I don't know when we actually start. I mean, we've got so much more going on it, 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 with the coronavirus, especially in the middle of this, what looks like to be very troubling spikes in certain states. I don't know if we started thinking about uh, moving on to, to uh, electoral concerns at this point. I don't know.
5: You did see you did see the markets pick up when it looked like it was going to be Joe Biden well, instead was, of Bernie right. Sanders. That was
4: when the worst. <laughs> that, that was a big move for the markets. Right. That's when the worst case scenario for the markets was, was taken off the. Uh, the table, But, you know, there would be a difference uh, if, you're going to, if you're going to raise taxes immediately and, and, and get rid of the, uh, the entire Trump uh, tax cut. I think the plan is not to, to get rid of the entirety of the, the corporate just tax a, cut. You know, his
6: tax cut, it, I mean, it would be part of it, but not get rid of it completely to where it was I, I thought he uh, said before. he would just,
4: just reverse the entire bill. He didn't. He's just talking about corporate tax. Te- corporate taxes would be not great either, would it? He'd go back. I right, think no, he no, said no. he'd go back he, to talk, 28 or 29, didn't he? So it, it wouldn't go back to where it he, was. He would obviously. talk about
6: going back to 20. He'd talk about going back to 28 percent on the corporate tax rate. I think the real tax rate that would be interesting to see is what ultimately happens to the individual tax rate, especially but, the most, most wealthy, uh, not necessarily a wealth tax per end, se, yeah. but that's uh, that would be on the table. He says he would do this immediately. Yeah. I, I have my own uh, uh, questions about whether that would even be plausible given where the economy may or may not be at that point.
5: We heard just a few minutes ago coronavirus cases are surging in spots around the country. Aside from the obvious public health implications, that could spell renewed trouble for the U.S. economy. Joining us right now to talk about the potential need for more economic stimulus out of Washington is Larry Kudlow. He is White House National Economic Council Director. Larry, it's great to see you. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, maybe we can just start with the number of coronavirus cases. We we have seen more cases out there. I know part of that's because we're doing more testing, but higher percentage of those tests coming back have been coming back with more positive results in some places, too. What do you think?
3: Actually, I I think nationwide, Becky, uh, the positivity rate is still quite low, um, well under 10 percent. Now, I I do agree. um, The numbers quoted to me by the health people, I'm not the expert, they are. uh, Over the weekend, there are 37 states that have virtually no problems. There are 13 states that do have hot spots. By the way, it, part of that is uh, massive new testing. We're running 500,000 tests uh, per day, so you're going to pick up some. But I was just interested, I was going through it this morning, uh, some of the hot spots that you probably have talked about, Arizona, no question about it, um, Florida, no question about it, Nevada, Uh, North Carolina, Oregon, Texas. But on the other hand, Becky, just to balance it out, I'm looking at this uh, Colorado down 30 percent here, the Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C. metro area down 31, Illinois down 36, Massachusetts down 27, Michigan, that's really something. They're down 80 percent on case rates. So, you know, there are some hot spots. We're on it. Uh, We know how to deal with this stuff now. It's come a long way since uh, last winter, and um, there is no second wave coming. It's just, you know, hot spots. They send in CDC teams. We've got the testing procedures. We've got the diagnostics. We've got the PPE. And so I really think it's a pretty good uh, situation. Fatality rates, incidentally, fatality rates continue to decline. Uh, Looking at the one-day and seven-day fatality rates, less than one half of one percent, even while, uh, as you noted, cases have gone up in some places. So all in all, I think it's a pretty good situation. And, of course, reopening the economy is the key to economic growth. And we've had a whole bunch of green shoots that are showing uh, recovery probably coming on faster than a lot of people thought.
5: Hey, Larry, we, we spoke with Scott Gottlieb earlier today, the former head of the FDA, and his his point is that in some of these states where you are seeing hot spots, it's a lot of the younger people, people ages 30 and younger, who who are getting it at this point. Um, the good news is a lot of them do not have the same sort of adverse reaction to some of these things. The concerning point would be, do they spread it to their parents, to their grandparents, to other people they are around who, who may have some underlying issues? And I, I guess... Nobody wants to see the economy shut back down. We want to get out there. We want to make sure things can open up. But would you be in favor of targeted places um, if you find out that it's linked to bars and it's 30 years and and younger who are kind of spreading it? Would you be in favor of of shutting down potentially some of the bars or slowing things down just so that things don't get out of hand?
3: Well, look, again, I'm not the public health expert. I think that sort of thing is up to the individual states, the governors, uh, in some cases the mayors. Uh, Scott Gottlieb is a, a dear friend and a brilliant guy. I'm sure he told you how important it is to maintain best practices, uh, social distancing, yeah. um, where applicable. Again, it's voluntary, but where applicable, uh, face uh, masks, uh, some kind of cloth face mask. And again, uh, get testing where possible. I- I'm not going to advocate shutting down any place, uh, just if, if that's what the locals think is necessary, but, again, the costs have shut down in economic terms, in psychological terms, uh, in addiction terms. I mean, we've learned a lot uh, since last February. So uh, I'll leave that to the locals. But I, I sure hope not. I mean, look, we're in a position now. And, again, I want to get back to the economic story. We're in a position now. Uh, we're going to come on much stronger in this recovery uh, than a lot of folks thought, uh, maybe than we thought here. And, you know, there's been a whole bunch of green shoots on retail sales, uh, on employment, on new Mm -hmm. business applications, on travel and Apple mobility indexes. Uh, Housing demand is strong. Mm -hmm. Auto demand is strong. This is great stuff. The employment was up three million in May. The early estimates are about three and a half million new jobs in June. That comes out July 2nd. Just as a reference point, the Congressional Budget Office is suggesting uh, 20% plus Q3, perhaps Q4. Mm. Uh, If you get uh, 20% and you get a 5 percent in Q1, Becky, that will get us back Mm. to the prior peak in the economy in 2019. That is wonderful news. And the temporary layoffs and furloughs, folks are going back to work. So I think the rescue package was solid, and I think the economic numbers are coming on great. We'll all hope and pray it continues. And look, let's have best practices on safety guidelines.
6: Hey, Larry, I wanted you to comment. I wanted you to comment, if you could, on the president's comment himself, uh, over the weekend uh, at, that, uh, at that rally in Tulsa, uh, where he effectively said uh, that, that he said to his people, slow the testing down, please. Here's the bad part. When you, test a f- when you do testing to that extent,
4: you're going to find more people. You're going to find more cases. So I said to my people, slow the testing down, please. (laughs) They test and they test. We got tests. People don't know what's going on. We got tests. We got another one over here.
6: There have been other members of the administration that have suggested uh, somehow that he was joking. I saw it with my own eyes. You saw it with your own eyes. And I'd also uh, suggest to you that just a week ago, uh, he said, quote, if we stop testing right now, we'd have very few cases if any, so there's been a series of comments and quotes that he has uh, made uh, that have not, by the way, been suggested to be jokes prior to this.
3: Well, Andrew, look, uh, I can't account for all that. I felt he was tongue in cheek when he said it. I was not there. Uh, I didn't see all of that uh, rally in Tulsa. I, I truly believe it's tongue in cheek. In the meetings uh, that I've attended, whenever this subject come up. It comes up in connection with the economic rebound. And um, testing and best practices have always been uh, uh, his uh, belief. And he's listening to the public health uh, people, Deborah Burks and so forth. They're giving him the right advice. I believe he's taking the right advice. Uh, I can't settle this. I, I think it was tongue-in-cheek. You'll have to ask him. I think the key point, though, I really do think the key point, is you, you've got, again, 37 states are in great shape. You've got 13 states, some odd, where there are hot spots. As I mentioned, hot spots there are mentioned to Becky. I read down the list. You've got tremendous declines uh, declines in uh, positive uh, rates uh, from new cases in major, major states. New York is opening uh, right now. That's a huge chunk of GDP um, people are going to come in or not, but they're going to be wearing, uh, you know, face coverings if they need to. There'll be temperature testing if they need to. So I think we've learned a lot. I think private industry, private business is very sensitive to the needs of their workforce. They're doing everything they can to assure them and to take safety measures. Uh, and I think the local uh, the local governors and mayors are going to have a piece of that, too. So, Andrew, I- I'm not going to make much of it. Uh, sometimes there's a president sense of humor. Um, That works for some, but not for all. I can't convince you if you don't believe it, but I can assure you that he he wants safety and security and economic growth. And that seems to be the trend line right now. I think we're in pretty good shape, certainly compared to where we were last winter.
5: Larry, we hear reports that the, the administration would like to see a $2 trillion package that, that is followed up for additional support and stimulus. Um, where would that money be focused? What, what, what needs to happen? And, and there are a lot of questions because the $600 extra for unemployment that goes into to people's paychecks will end at, at the end of July at this
3: point. Well, look, we're planning on this. We're having pretty much constant policy meetings. I'm going to go into one uh, after we all talk. And I I can't pinpoint a number. There's a lot of pre-decisional, shall we say, rumors or this and that. Uh, Nothing has been completely determined. I I will say as a generic matter, first of all, after the July recess, uh, there is likely, highly likely, uh, to discuss uh, in the House, the Senate and and the administration Uh, some new plans uh, for uh, economic growth. Okay, there's probably, I saw a thing in the journal today, there's almost certainly going to be a package. What's in the package, Becky, I don't want to predict. I will say this, things the president has talked about publicly, okay. He has talked about a payroll tax holiday for the workforce Uh, He's occasionally talked about uh, capital gains uh, tax relief. If you buy something in the next six months, you'll be excluded from the capital gains uh, for uh, quite some time. There's a story about private equity in the newspapers today. He wants to help out uh, with some form of tax relief, uh, restaurants, entertainment, uh, athletic uh, contests, things of that sort. We want to help out the tourism business, uh, which has been hurt very badly. We also want to reward people who are re-employing, are going back to work. I think that's very important. We're also concerned about um, uh, protecting uh, liability uh, insurance in COVID-19 cases uh, for small business and everybody. There may be some targeted uh, spending uh, discussions going on between the uh, three major bodies. All of this is up in the air. Those are things the president has said publicly. So I'm happy to relay them to you. No decisions have been made.
5: Uh, states and municipalities that may have been hit particularly hard by the pandemic, should they get additional funding?
3: Uh, I wouldn't want to say at this point, but I'll say we're looking at everything. Uh, certainly anything related to COVID-19 deserves serious, serious attention with respect to some additional spending. Uh, we will see about that. Uh, we will be looking at the whole panoply of options for the state. We've worked very well with the states. Um, I think it's a remarkable achievement. President Trump, Vice President Pence has taken the lead on this. Constant discussions with governors. Uh, I've been engaged. Many others in the White House have been engaged to help them out wherever possible. A lot of this, of course, is uh, the right equipment, the right machinery, the PPE stuff, uh, the masks, the delivery of tests. And don't forget, we are making pretty good progress here uh, with respect to vaccine development and uh, therapeutic development, which Mm -hmm. I think is terribly important, especially therapies that might help out during the summer months. So I I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get too specific. We are looking at a whole bunch, a whole panoply across the board of possible uh, assistance plans. You know, I'll say this, Becky, you know me. I fully supported the CARES Act. Uh, I think the uh, PPP program, the Payroll Protection Program, probably saved as much as 55 million jobs. I think you saw it in the May numbers, uh, temporary layoffs and furloughs going back to work by 3 million. I think a lot more of that's coming. I think, in general, the rescue package was extraordinary, uh, led by the president, tremendous bipartisan votes in both the House and the Senate. I think, by and large, it worked. Uh, I saw a piece uh, in The New York Times this morning that suggested the uh, government support programs actually held down the poverty rate. I think that's remarkable. And I know the income increased a lot uh, in uh, April and probably will continue in May and June. So I I think that package worked. Uh, We're proud of it. I think now I'd love to see us move, this is just me talking, uh, from the rescue mission you know, through the transition of the reopening into medium and long term economic growth incentives. So we can really have not only a great rebound in the second half, but 2021 could be a big bang year. And so could 2022. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did it once. We had it going great guns. It's a fundamentally sound economy as the emergency passes Mm -hmm. and the opening occurs. So uh, that's my view. I'd like to slant it towards economic Mm -hmm. growth incentives as much as possible.
5: Larry, thank you. It is great to see you this morning, and we hope you'll come back with updates as these conversations progress.
3: Anytime. Thanks, Becky. Thank you, Andrew.
1: SquawkPod will be right
3: back.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.
1: That's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern and subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. Share us with a friend and tweet us at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here
0: tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses,